Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm right there. We're, we're, we're going to get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio. I'm Rachel Koontz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to, su- to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and check out our website at theinnerlooplit.org. For any new listeners out there here on the Inner Loop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, publishing or editing, how to make a living, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. Or screen, as the case may be. As the um, case usually is. <laughs> Sometimes we play clips of local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series. Other times we invite those writers, as well as other members of the literary community, to join our discussion. On today's show, let's discuss unifying disparity. Writers see connections between all sorts of disparate things. That's kind of our specialty. It's kind of our thing. We like take this, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We're like, oh, I'm going to put those two things together. But how do we put it together into something comprehensible to the reader? Court? I mean, my first knee-jerk response is like, if only Congress could unify disparity. (laughs) But (laughs) I guess that's not really the conversation we're having here today. Um, how do how do we do it? I could take some tips from writers. Um, well, you know, we talk about threads a lot, right? So I think that even in subjects or topics that seem totally different, we can find the thing that if you tug at it a little bit, it unravels into something that you can then kind of weave. Um, I think another thing is that, I don't know, my writerly brain operates from a particular perspective and I know that I find those themes recurring in my own writing so I think it's like I'm set up to look for certain things in stuff that I'm seeing does that make sense no what are you saying <laughs> <laughs> I was telling I was saying just before we started the show that we here at the end of radio like to talk about all the things that don't have real answers to them <laughs> yes yes okay so Courtney trying to answer something that has no answer let Go. me give an example um I think especially these days a lot about animal behavior and behavior in general Um, and so if I am in the grocery store and I'm paying attention to the way one, you know, worker is stocking something, and then I look over at a mom who's trying to wrangle a child, I, I see just like elements of behavior. Like I, I hone in on like, what is the behavior? What is driving that behavior? And then I could, you know, those two things don't really have anything to do with each other another Mm. I think it's so I guess what I'm saying is like there are lenses through which like we all see the world and that kind of grounds us as we're trying to find 
how yeah, it so you're, together. So you're saying you experience the world through like the lens of animal behavior. So you see it in everything yeah. that you do, for yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that like I, you know, writers work in metaphors and similes. So I feel like, you know, we see something that is mundane or, you know, something that seemingly has nothing to do with whatever topic is occupying our mind at the moment. And it feels very relevant. It feels suddenly like, oh, it has to be, you know, that I, you know, split open an eggplant and it reminded me of breaking up with my ex-boyfriend or something. Um, that was just off the top of my head. You can have that. <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. I wrote a poem about pomegranates and it was really about a breakup. So yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so we are sort of trained to see the world that way. Um, and you know, it's not just like metaphors and similes, like there are all kinds of techniques, like Courtney, you mentioned, like weaving things together. Um, and also, you know, taking two disparate topics and, and putting them right next to each other, it sort of creates a kind of tension and, and, and especially for for poets and essayists, like you can put two things right next to each other and switch back and forth between talking about them. And it's a way of like creating both tension Unsatisfaction, okay. though, it kind of like does the work for you. Like it guides yeah, it does the, the reader. For you. It's like bit. there's something <laughs> magical going on there where, like, you know, when you talk about one thing and then you switch to the other, you're like the back of your mind is still thinking about the other thing. And so they're, they're doing that indirect work. Um, and there's like this magical process. I love to talk about the, those magical um, aspects of writing where you're like, I don't know. I just sit down and write and shit like goes next to each other and it works. Um, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't always work. I feel like sometimes no. I'll be like, this image has to go with this like story that I'm telling. And then I'll go back and read it. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to an outside observer, you know? And then I'm like, well, why, why? But, but then I, you know, I've learned throughout like lots and lots of writing that it's my mind is doing it for a reason. I just have to figure out why, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why do I want to talk about, you know, yeah, the brown yeah. of that car and like up against this other thing? Uh, I know it's for a reason. I just have to figure it out to make it more clear to the audience, like why I'm saying this with this other thing. Well, and that's kind of the beauty in it too, right? Like we're doing it for someone else, but it's also that journey of like, there's that like, moment of self-discovery that you didn't think you were going to have, I think, in every piece that you write. And whether it's significant or not, you know, often it could just be like, I like avocados, didn't realize that, whatever. But, (laughs) you know, um, I think that's what (laughs) drives us to keep writing also in in lots of cases. But I will... I'll stop making bad. <laughs> I know it's hard to come examples. up with examples and not be really weird about it. Yes. yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, but I do wonder like sometimes like how much work do you want the reader to have to do? Like, or, sure. or, you know, and I think a big part of that comes from the editing process. Like you have to at like, somehow make yourself and distance usually does this but somehow like get an outside perspective and say ask yourself like how hard am I making the reader work yeah or what I'm trying to say or conversely <laughs> like how obvious am I being yeah and there's like am you I know, hitting them over the head with it yeah a little bit you know yeah. and finding yeah. that balance finding balance for sure you have to you have to edit that's what every writer wants to hear sorry guys <laughs> 
I think it's not your bedding. <laughs> that means the hard part is done. No, so, the hard part is done. Yeah, oh, the writing the hard part. Let's meld into one person and then writing will be easy. All right. <laughs> we haven't we haven't tried that yet. We should. <laughs> All right, I feel like we're rambling. Let's we are bring totally in the rambling. guests. Absolutely, <laughs> we we uh, we do do well rambling. <laughs> Let's get more about this topic with this month's author spotlight, author's corner spotlight, Jen Corner. Stay tuned. Let's gather, <laughs> gather, gather, please. Um, you can. Gather around, gather around for the second half. And we're going to get started. We're going to get started. We'll get started. We're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. We've been discussing the idea of unifying the disparate in writing, and now we'd like to welcome our April Spotlight from our Author's Corner program, Jen Coiter, author of the poetry collection So Much of Everything from Day 8 Books. Welcome, Jen. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Thank you so much. We We're are so excited to, to have, have you. you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to get your perspective on this topic. Because I feel like your collection is very relevant to it. You yourself called it a quilt of a book. So how did you sew it all together? Okay, this is this is going to sound like a cop out. Um, <laughs> and maybe it is. But I think in part, I, I am my own organizing principle, right? Like I, and I think this is similar actually to what Courtney was saying earlier. Um, the way I, everything is filtered through my perceptions, right? I remember mm -hmm. I, as an undergraduate, I took a graduate level course in um, Islam. I was a religious studies major and mm. uh, took a class at a seminary on campus. And, um, and I, I wrote my first paper on comparing like Christian and Islamic fundamentalisms. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I was writing it, I was like, this is, so obvious they're they're gonna fail me they're gonna be like you shouldn't go to graduate school you're not ready and um and i aced it because the stuff that was um to me really like obvious like i'm hitting people over the head with it um was actually new to someone who wasn't me um yeah. and so i i feel like there are things that that sort of come together for each individual writer you know, like Courtney said, the sort of the, re the recurring themes, the themes that you return to. Um, mm. And uh, and yeah, so that's that's what I feel like, like unifies the book in a lot of ways is the fact that I'm the one that wrote it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You're like, this is what I have to offer you. What's happening inside my brain? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is how I walk through the world. <laughs> Well, and also, I oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead, go for it. Oh no, I was gonna, I was gonna give another answer that's le maybe less of a cop out, um, and that was that um, Alexandra uh, Sherman, who donated the cover art for the mm -hmm. book. Um, I she she had read it before it came out, and um, 
and I was I was kind of halfway apologizing for the fact that it's a really sad book. I was oh. like, it's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of grief poems in it. She's like, yeah, I know it's sad, but with a bite. And I feel like that, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely stealing that for the rest of my life because <laughs> I feel like that's, that's every poem in it to, on some spectrum. Like there's a spectrum of sad, but with a bite, you know, and, nice. and uh, all of them fall somewhere on there. I love um, that. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, so did you just throw everything at the at the drawing board or did you was there a process of like eliminating poems were there any poems that you were in love with but you ultimately felt this doesn't fit in here there were definitely a a lot of poems that got cut I don't feel like there were any that I was madly in love with that I couldn't find a place for yeah yeah that's great it was, uh, it was, it was, it was sort of, um, a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, with your interview with our, um, outreach coordinator, Kira, you mentioned the messy girl poems was sort of like a unifying structure because they come in kind of at random and other poems also repeat throughout. Was that a way to kind of bring those poems together uh, yeah. for the audience? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was really deliberate because there were other sequences that I felt had to stay together. You know, the survivor at the end, you know, the, the grief poems and the, um, the found poems made from mid-century women's beauty literature, the Candy Jones poems. I felt like splitting those up would really dilute them and make them and confuse the heck out of anyone who was reading. (laughs) Um, so, so I, I kept those together, but then I also wanted to have some threads running through around them, like, like islands with, with maybe water running around them. I don't islands know. Islands in a stream. <laughs> As it were. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we are. See? Yes. See, it all comes back full circle. This is what happens. There. I love that. Um, yeah. And speaking of the, the beauty tips poems and the, and weaving those in with the grief poems, is there, can you talk more about how you felt like those informed one another and worked together to kind of create tension? Like Courtney and I were talking in the A block. With the, with the rest of the book or with it themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. With the the rest rest of the book. book. Yeah. 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 It's, oh, geez. How do you do like, (laughs) <laughs> like death jesus and makeup tips like it's, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> tell us jen how do you do that <laughs> i think honestly you know what i think i think there's some i think humor plays a role in that first yeah. of all and maybe that's not the tension that doesn't necessarily answer the tension part of your question but i i find a lot of this book really funny and maybe that's Maybe that's, that's my problem. <laughs> like, um, that says a lot about me, but I think <laughs> death is funny. They said, they said Kafka used to fall off his chair reading yeah. when he would give readings from his work, right? So, like, he would just be, like, dying laughing and... and um, I and mean, the rest it, of us read it and go, oh, God. But, like, if you... I don't know. I get that impulse sometimes. Like, it, it is... It's, like almost the definition of hysterical like you can't we we just can't we have no 
concept we cannot process does not compute and so we go on and on and on fighting against this thing that we like can't even understand so it is yeah i don't know i think it's funny <laughs> well, and there's also this that sort of like i can't write anything without coming back to questions of identity i don't yeah. think and like who who's writing this like who am i and i feel like the the found poems are are big identity questions like what does it mean to be a woman like how, how do you how do you woman in the world and yeah. um and how do you how do you have multiple selves you know uh those those sort of those are the big questions that they kind of circle around and so mm -hmm. in, in that in that respect i feel like i feel like they're in conversation with the rest of the book conversation that's a good word dialogue yeah um it's not it's not only tension right uh, tension is part of it but but they're talking they're talking to each other for sure absolutely yeah that's a great way to put it so let's hear a few poems and so we can talk about this in context. Okay. I, may I read a couple of the Candy Jones poems? Absolutely. All right. Should I, um, it's worth noting for people who haven't like read the, the book that these are made entirely out of sentences called from books by a woman named Candy Jones, who was a beauty expert in the 50s and 60s, and then also the subject of conspiracy theory in the 70s when she claimed to be brainwashed <laughs> by the CIA and sent on spy missions to Asia. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> so digest all that, yes. listeners. <laughs> also, Jen, I'm stealing that uh, how do you woman in the world? I'm, I'm going to make woman a verb from now on as well. So, <laughs> <you>. Wonderful. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Okay, well, here's the first one, guzzle with accessories. Make your first appearance upon your arrival wearing a hat. Even if hats are not your favorite accessory, wear a hat. Your accessories should be kept to a truthful minimum. A good rule of thumb is don't wear jewelry with a hat. Don't clutter up the area around your face with too much detail. Egad, Mabel, that hat. I feel the same way about wearing flowers in one's hair. Yesterday's orchid, not unlike yesterday's newspaper, is old hat. Your goal is pureness of line and complete simplicity. Choose your jewelry accents sparingly. Don't wear a hat. So I love that, Jen, because I mean, you, you, you called it a kind of a jigsaw puzzle. And that's one of the things that is fun about found poems in particular. Yes. Uh, but that speaks a lot to the subject of today's episode in, you know, unifying the disparate. It's like, that is like creating a found poem is exactly the process of doing that, like in a concrete way. Um, so that was a great example. That's, that's really, that's really insightful. Thank you, Courtney. <laughs> Every now and then I have a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Teach me your ways. Okay. Um, I'm going to read one more. And this is actually, these are also the most formal poems in the book. So uh, this one's a sonnet. It's called Sonnet Confronting the Passage of Time. Now we have entered the period of the great reversal. Hats live in hat boxes while peasant triangles cover heads and enter churches. Unpolished shoes, run-down heels, bare legs by the dozen. Momentarily, I thought it was a costume party. 
My feet looked like I'd been overseeing a mine. I am 42 years old. I'm middle-aged. This, to me, is revolting. A mask of a face topping a wreck of a body. I have a golden leg stashed away in a closet, and I bet you never knew and couldn't have cared less. You're like a bicyclist picking his way along a road strewn with broken glass. Don't sparkle too much all over. You're not going to an opera, dear. The lighting will be bright and revealing. Think of a coat as a cloak. Think about the judges. Put yourself in the position of a judge. Pity the woman with flat feet. One of these years, it will happen to you. Oh my God, it's so fucking surreal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did I swear they all came from beauty advice books? I'm not making it up. That's brilliant, though, because, I mean, those books and columns and, like, the advice columns in the women's magazines, like, that is, it, it, they are culture, right? They are the, like, mm-hmm. glimpses into, because women are so, women especially are so often not seen elsewhere in culture that, like, those are the peace places where we can, we can mm-hmm. kind of pull them out. And so surprisingly influential. Yeah. Those sort of places. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love it. Do I have time for yeah, a little bit more? Good. Yeah. Maybe a little, maybe a few of the, the, uh, the poems about loss. Yeah, that'd be great. Right. Try and keep it short. Um, there's a long poem um, about my boyfriend's suicide at the end of the book and the poem, or the, I guess it's a long sequence. Uh, It's called The Survivor. The individual poems do not have titles. All I remember about your body and its casket are the thick black sutures across the top of your bald head and the color of your skin darkened, mottled, like you were one big bruise. Perhaps I should have taken another look, a longer look, but how long can anyone stand before a miracle, and your body stitched and purpled and emptied was a miracle. Wine back into water, water back into the rock. The image of the the body emptied is really lasting. Because do you mean the purple and the wine? Yeah, and it's like, do you mean of the soul of the con, like the physical biological contents? And it's like it kind of makes your mind go in lots of ways. I had never thought about that. Thank you. No, this is like (laughs) I love the ramp. No, it's always it's always more fun to talk between poems. Um, I wrote a lot of lists. Um. Who doesn't love a good list? Love a list. Well, and that's all I could, that's all my brain could do for the first, like the first few months. Like anytime I tried to write anything, it was just listing stuff off. Mm. So I'd like to read one of those. Um, And it also does that sort of juxtaposition that I think, Rachel, you were wanting to talk about. Mm -hmm. Last visit to your house, carrying out your drill, your hoodie, the last food in your fridge. Last squeeze of the conditioner you said smelled like your grandma. Last text from one of your friends saying I can call them anytime. They mean it anytime. Last conference call with your name still on the agenda. 
Last email from you in my inbox, your last text falling off the bottom of my screen. Last clean t-shirt you washed for me, whiff of dryer sheet over my face. Last car wash coupon from the pack you bought me. Last handful of the sriracha peas you left at my door. The cashmere scarf I gave you for your birthday. The last thing in the world that smells like you. One more, maybe? Yeah, I just, I love how these mundane things become, have become so monumental. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. just a simple word, just last, mm -hmm. you know, it's so simple and elegant, but powerful. Thank you. Let's bring her home with one more. Okay. My instructor says dead body pose 17 times during hot yoga, which is, as they say in Hollywood, a little on the nose, especially since I'm lying on your yoga mat. Even I find that kind of morbid, but it's a really nice mat. You only used it for a month while we were breaking up, and not even every day at that. It bothers me more that when your yoga teacher said, set your intention at the start of class, you directed your thoughts to me, leaning into my leaving instead of your own body. I come because I am only body here in the heat. You left me with so much to not think about, and here, I can't think of anything, can't think of you at all, until I have nothing to do but lie here. Shavasana, my teacher says, relax, dead body pose. I think of you thinking of me, my absence filling you as your absence fills me now. Relax, says my teacher again, and I try, I still my limbs, I slow my breath, but there you aren't. Shavasana. He says again, damn it, dead body pose. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so good. Yeah, that's, yeah, such a great example of that sort of <sighs> intangible and yet so obvious when you like write it down, like, mm -hmm. you know, you were filled with my absence. Now I'm filled with your absence. Just finding those little turns of phrase that then bring the meaning up, you know? I'm always trying to get at the things that are hard to describe. <laughs> well, and the filling with something that is the taking away of, right? Like yes. that's, what, yeah. that's what really, yeah. I think, makes that, that particularly lasting. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, again, we it, coming back to like this, this idea of like, what is a body without what is in it? What is a body on the ground? Mm -hmm. Like all of these things that kind of like questions that circle around that you, you thread through Jen, I think is, is part of the one, one part of the beauty of your book. I'm, I'm just over the moon that you guys dug it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> we did indeed and thank you so much for joining us on the show to chat about the book and all of the heady things that we love to chat about uh you can find more about jen coiter read more interviews and articles and buy her collection so much of everything on our website the org slash authors corner thank you again and jen will you stick around for a little fun little exercise 
I'm a glutton for punishment. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. It. Well, up next, three very serious writers are going to utilize a topic generator. What? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. We turn now to my favorite because it's the only time I actually write anything. Writing exercises. Just before the show, I did in fact pull up a random topic generator to give each of us two disparate ideas that we then had to connect in a piece of writing. We wrote for only five minutes, so please forgive us listeners for the rawness of our pieces. But now we're going to read the results. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Uh, you know what? I'll just get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First, tell us what your topics were. Um, my two topics were laundry and communism. Um, and which is funny because, Rach, when you gave those to me, like, it immediately made sense in my head. Like I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Obviously those two things go together. Clearly. Um, but I also am, am very rarely slash never a fiction writer. And this is, that's what happened here. So, all right, I will, I will stop that. All right. Every other Thursday at exactly 4.03 PM, Stanley went into his bathroom to retrieve two wooden crates. One's filling out with t-shirts and socks underwear and other whites and the other with two pairs the two pair of jeans two cotton sweaters and a mil- and miscellaneous other darker items that he he'd used that week if it was summer the sweaters were not sweaters but button-down shirts he placed the crates into a wheeled cart in which they sat perfectly stacked he left his apartment locking the door twice for good measure counted the 36 seconds of the elevator ride to the first floor and exited the building lifting the wheels down the two steps of the stoop as he went by 4.08 p.m., he was halfway to the laundromat two blocks away. As Stanley approached the door, he saw another washer queued ahead of him. It was all right. He'd still make it in time for his 4.10 p.m. allowance. <laughs> and that's when we start to get into the communism part. <laughs> Except the whole thing has this communist vibe. Because right. it's all like right. super regimented. you're like, oh, God, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I love it. I wish I'd gone first now. No. <laughs> I know, Courtney, you, your fiction voice is very authoritative. All right. Maybe I should try yes. like way different than your nonfiction. Very I feel different. like you should right. go down that path. Lean and it was very, like, stylized and quirky, too. I really dig that. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Maybe on my six-hour plane ride, I'll uh, I'll finish Stanley's story. <laughs> Love it. All right, why don't you got to go next? I'll I'll raise my hand. Yes. <laughs> um, what were your topics first, Jen? My topics were hunting and personality disorders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I just decided to just 
plunk it out there in the title and call it a hunter's guide to personality disorders. So Perfect. <laughs> Never hunt with a hunter who has paranoid personality disorder. I cannot stress this enough. Hostile reactions to perceived slights may prove deadly. Borderline personality disorder is safer in the short term. If anything, they'll threaten to shoot themselves. Histrionic and, narciss and narcissistic personality disorder. Irritating, but mostly harmless. Just make sure you let them take the kill shot. Tell the story of it later. Antisocial personality disorder avoid at all costs. They have no sense of gun safety. There's probably a warrant out for their arrest. Love it. That was amazing. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. The narcissist was the, the really good one. Let them tell the story. I like the sure. borderline personality. Yeah. <laughs> my personal favorite oh. personality disorder. <laughs> yes, it's good to have a favorite personality disorder. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good first date okay. question right there. What if you what's your favorite? You? <laughs> no, just what's your favorite? What's like your do favorite? you have a favorite do you have a favorite personality disorder? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also like Jen that you reverted back to your lists. Like yes. Yes, no, I know. Put me under pressure. I'm gonna make a list. Make a list. <laughs> It's an effective strategy. It works. It totally is. Yeah. The catalog. It's the go-to. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, mine were astronomy and smoking, okay. which Courtney also thought were immediately related. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. All right. Um, let's see if I can read this writing. Something unseen and yet known felt lingers in the space between us, dancing through the distance before fading out of sight i inhale through the ember at the tip of my cigarette letting its exhaust fill me up before blowing it toward the embers that light up the sky they say if you draw lines between them you'll find either incomprehensible numbers or mythical creatures i say there's only distance mm. See, you did that in five minutes. That's like, just gorgeous. <laughs> That's just freaking gorgeous. Wow. I love you're like, oh, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Well, when you never write, like it all ekes out in like the two. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The like pressure's on. You know what that reminded me of? Um, oh, it's called The Blue of Distance. Why can't I think of who the writer? Oh, God. Rebecca Solnit. Do you guys know her? Oh, I've mm -hmm. heard of her. Yeah. Yes. I was, you know what it made? I thought of um, Tony Hoagland's poem, Jet. <gasps> yeah. Definitely. I'm writing all this down. Going to do some homework. There you go. Well, thank you so much for playing along yeah. with us, Jen. Thank you for letting me play in your reindeer games. This was this was so fun. So good. Great having you. And that is our show. We'll be back next month. Uh, we will. And did you know that the Interloop has lots of programming for writers in the DC area? 
so much. We do readings, retreats, workshops, a summer residency, and more. To read all about it, visit us at theinnerlooplit.org, where you can also, hey, donate to support us and local literature. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Inner Loop Lit. Yeah. Today's episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz. Our theme music is by Andrew Logan. And our technical advisor is James Skinner. Thanks again to Jen Coiter for joining us on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, shout it from the rooftops. Or you could write us a review. <laughs> Such as ice cream is to a hot day, what the inner loop radio is to a writer's soul. Oh, Rach, this is like so bad. I can't even with this one. <laughs> she won't read my script. I'm not going to read it. It's too corny. I'm not going to read it. <laughs> it's a deal. The Interloop Radio, corny as hell. <laughs> uh, she said melty. Question mark? And melty? I just can't. No. I feel like you would say that. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> Um, but no, she said a nice treat. And yes, also true. So don't forget to subscribe for more of this fun banter. Subscribe. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Happy writing. Right on. Um...